Thank you for this time together to gather, to celebrate, hear testimony, to, to pray, to study your holy word. You're a good God, worthy to be praised. I thank you for this family, God. I thank you for the diversity of our family, the uniqueness of all the different things you've brought us out of, testimony of the gospel that makes us new, gives us a new identity in Christ, no longer defined, no longer bound by our sin, but forgiven, made new sanctified for salvation and progressively sanctified unto glorifying you in our in our minds and our words and our actions that you would be glorified that the gospel that has changed our lives would be our testimony would be our witness it would be our priority for our, uh, our own relationships family work co-workers testimony of our, in our neighborhoods in our in the different communities you've put us in we're blessed to be your people. We want to worship you with all of our lives. I pray as we spend a little time this morning in your word that you would just give us that, that clear picture of what you will for us, what our days should be, our weeks should be, our, our lives should be, the exaltation, the worship of your holy name. You would be honored, lifted high. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm thankful for the testimonies that are happening all around. Um, the life change that we're seeing in and through people, this church, the influence of God through us. The testimony of the gospel is shared in such a sweet way in our testimonies and in our own stories and so I love that part of, of, of this gathering and, and what we're doing with that. I, I'm thankful to add to that a little this morning with just a special time, a unique time. We're, we're preaching through the book of Ephesians right now. We're, we're going to pick that back up next Sunday. Just taking our time to walk through God's Word and learn and grow. Hope that if you're just visiting today, you come back and, and experience that with us as we continue to study God's Word. Uh, today, I just want to share uh, what we elders um, have, have been praying about and feel like would be helpful for our church family to hear in our 2020 winter all-church celebration. I want to spend a little time this morning talking about the different ways Scripture calls us to worship God with our lives. While the corporate weekly gathering of the saints to fellowship, to sing, to read Scripture, to pray, to take the Lord's Supper together to sit under the shepherd's preaching of the word is a vital part of the Christian life. And we will talk about that specifically in a moment. I want us to see that worship is something that we don't only do on Sunday mornings, but it is a vital part of the life, the everyday life of the believer in Jesus Christ. We must first see that everything we interact with, every moment God ordains for us in this life, is an opportunity for worship. Listen to a couple of these quotes. Tim Keller says, Worship is the act of ascribing ultimate value to something in such a way that it engages the entire being, mind, will, and emotions. John Piper says, Worship is never a step on our way to another experience. It is not a door through which we pass to get anywhere. It is the end point. It is the goal. 
Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Church, we are made to worship the one true almighty God. Romans 1 tells us that in our sin, we don't worship nothing. We sinfully worship anything. In our sin, we do not worship the Creator who is worthy of our praise and our devotion, but instead we heap our praise and our identity and our heart onto the things that He has created. So whatever that might be, good or bad, in our sin we worship the things of creation instead of the Creator Himself. Whether you're here today just checking out our church, and have nothing to do with God or the gospel of Jesus Christ, or if you are saved by the blood of Jesus, understand worship is something that everyone does. The point is, those who, ha- who are saved by God's grace and made new in Christ are joyfully committed to worship God in all that we have and do. He is truly worthy of all of our lives. So this morning, I just want to make it very practical. I love all the, the youth and the kids that are in the room with us today, and I pray that even for all of you, this is a helpful opportunity for you to consider your own life. First area I want to talk about as we look to Scripture is daily worship. This is the giving of the first fruits of our day. While I won't go so far to say that your daily worship has to be the first thing you do, It needs to be the priority of your day. The true set and scheduled priority of your given day. Priority for the heart and mind and life. To focus on God. Be still and know that He is God. Whether that be in prayer or in Scripture. To wake up. And instead of first reaching for the cell phone or the TV remote or running straight to the shower, what does it look like, though, to start your day by just thanking God for the new day that He has ordained to give you? I heard testimony recently of just a a young man who went to sleep and didn't wake up. God had ordained the number of his days to be done during that night. We do not know when our days are numbered, only He knows. So when we wake for a new day, we need to acknowledge the one Scripture says is the sustainer of all things. The one who's ordained our days. That we would, we would call out to Him in prayer and say, thank you for this gift that you've entrusted me with to live for your glory. To live according to your plan. So it's, Right to start in an attitude of gratitude to God, acknowledging that our, the day we're about to embark in belongs to Him. Beyond that, though, let me ask you, what are ways that you prioritize every day to focus on a time of just enjoying and being with God? Is that a relationship that has priority in your life every day? Jesus modeled the practice of personal time with God the Father as an important priority for His life while here on earth in the flesh 
Luke 5.16 is one of the many places that testifies that he withdrew to desolate places to pray, to turn off the noise, to be alone with God, and to pray. Christian, do you have a personal daily practice of worshiping God? A time to prioritize devotion and to pray, to be still and to read Scripture. If you do not, or have not been obedient to Scripture and faithful in daily worship, I plead with you today, in this beginning of this new year, to begin. To confess that sin of, of living in a compartmentalized way in your faith, And to say, God, I really do want to be with you every day. I want it to be a true priority that I do not usurp with extra work or extra busyness. Do you have a prioritized time that you plan, that you schedule, that you protect, that you commit to, whereby you're not tempted to give in to the ringing phone, to answer the text, to respond to emails, or the kids, or the dog, or anything else? Is your private time to be with God a special and protected thing? Not haphazard, not looking to give Him uh, a few moments in between stops on the job or schedule for the kids, but an intentional prioritized time. Are you fighting for this? Are you talking with your family about how to hold each other accountable to this? That you don't spend your time doing lazy or fleeting things like watching TV or scrolling through the internet or Facebook until you have spent prioritized time with God. You don't commit to overtime in your job or, or too many things by which you're essentially turning to Him to go, I'm just too busy to live out this relationship with you. Parents, can I say this? If you're getting 30 minutes or an hour once a day to be with the Lord, and that time is taken from your family, your spouse, your kids, I would argue that time is more important than that half an hour hour with your family. It's more important because of what it does to you to be committed to and faithful to God. You will love and lead your family better as a result of a faithful, devoted life of walking with God. You cannot think that somehow, by just your ongoing presence, you're going to do a better job of loving and leading your family without God and that true time to be with Him. What does it take to prioritize this? What does it mean to maybe go to bed a little earlier and wake up? What does it mean to find that space? Even if it means you throw a couple pillows in the bathtub and lock the door, to be alone, to be quiet, to be with God. On the back table is our annual reading plan, as Marilyn mentioned earlier. If you don't have a committed way to be in Scripture, this is a way to do that. The special thing about doing that with us here together is we get to talk about what we're reading. There was a lot of of neat uh, conversations that happened this week. Last week I preached on a passage in Ephesians 2, 2, where we talked about being devoted to the devil prior to being alive in Christ. And our reading plan this week was on the person of Satan, understanding of his role throughout Scripture. Even our kids' devotional this week. Parents, did you notice this? That built on last Sunday's 
message with the kids in our kids' ministry was on the temptation of Christ. In every facet, if you're walking with us, there was unity in what God had ordained for that this last week in the life of our church. It was a sweet thing. It was a fun moment to talk with Piper and try to help her get her head around not eating for 40 days. I love you enough to be blunt to say no Christian is growing or maturing in their faith or life if they are finding ways to not be diligent to be with the Lord in a committed and prioritized way every day. Before I move on, I want to kind of take a side tangent on daily worship and talk about family worship. This is one of the most simple ways that we are gathering with our spouse or even our roommates or or our children, to devote our homes to the Lord. Think about all the things we stay busy with. Is there true times where our family is slowing to be devoted to the things of God? Uh, it's, It's a convicting but helpful thing to evaluate how we're doing this. And even in my own home, we can get busy. We can struggle to set aside this prioritized time. But it's important that we don't set it aside that it is a priority, that we're gathering to pray together, to read Scripture together. For some of you, you even modeled well what it looks like to sing together. Some of you have creatively found some of the good songs that we sing, YouTube videos that have lyrics to you know, put that up and find a time to even sing together or serve together. Parents, one of the greatest gifts and one of the best investments you can make into your kids in the very limited time you have with them until they're adults is to spend daily time together Pursuing God, worshiping God, gathering in the Lord together. Many mature brothers and sisters in our church are doing well with this practice and would be love to share with you what they do to make that go well. I'd love to point you to them if you have questions about what that looks like. Our kids' ministry curriculum is designed to gift wrap for you parents a lesson that sets the table for you to have a home devotional that's only 10 minutes a day to build on that Sunday lesson our, our aim in partnering with you is to walk together, is to set the table for the work you would do with your children throughout the week, both in learning catechism and our foundations ministry and just the study of Scripture that builds on what they received in Sunday morning. That Sunday morning kids ministry would not be a one-and-done experience, but a part of our walking together in the equipping of our kids. In many ways, it is simply a devotion to the command we're given, the very, very major and central command we see in Deuteronomy 6, 4-9. through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and all of your soul, and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The next area that God calls his saved ones to be committed to is the area of financial worship. The giving of our first fruits of the income that God has provided us for the advancement of the gospel and the making of disciples. God's very design for the gospel to go forth is through the church, the local church, the preaching and witnessing of the local church. 
the way God has designed the local church to function and persevere, to preach the word and equip the saints for the work of the ministry and the witness of the gospel is through the provisions he has entrusted the members of the local church. In other words, everything the local church needs financially to work and thrive in God's perfect ordained way is in the resources of its local members. When the saved ones are not committed to a local church and or giving their local church uh, the first fruits of the income God has provided them, they are sinfully outside of God's call in their life to practice this faithfully until he calls us home. The question is, are you joyfully, regularly, proportionally, and generously making it a priority to give what is God's to the work of God by worshiping him in the giving of your first fruits of your income to your local church? God gives us direction for how he wants this done throughout Scripture. It's not simply a pragmatic issue or ideological. It's a spiritual issue. A few of the neat places we see instruction, mainly by the letters of Paul and specifically in his letters to the Corinthian church, um, he commends them to give joyfully. In 2 Corinthians 9-7, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. Is it your joy to give regularly to the work of the kingdom to participate in this way? We're to give regularly. Uh, We see this throughout Scripture. And one of the specific points that Paul makes to the church in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, now about the money being collected for the Christians in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedures I gave to the church in Galatia. On every Lord's day, each of you should put aside some amount of money in relationship to what you've earned and save it for this offering. So there's a regular giving, a regular response to the income he provides to the work of the kingdom. Scripture calls us to do this proportionally. We see in the same passage, in relationship to what you've earned. There's no marker of everyone has to give this amount, for God has ordained that each of us make a different income, whether that's even uh, for the homeless person that receives government assistance. There's an income that that person's been provided to live on, or for the, the, the business owner or the, or, or, or the successful entrepreneur that's, that makes six figures and beyond. Whatever that allotment is, there's a proportional amount of response to that. Why? Because God has entrusted in the diversity of our family the income we make And it's in our obedient response, proportionally to that income, that we bring that to the table for the work of the kingdom and what he wants to do through this church. And then also, Scripture talks about doing this generously. 2 Corinthians 8, 2-3, we see a beautiful example. Though they had been going through much trouble and hard times, it was their wonderful joy and deep poverty had overflowed in rich generosity. Two things that outside of Christ just don't make sense. These people are going through real poverty and at the same time experiencing great joy. Why? Because of the gospel at work in their lives. And in that, they're still finding ways to be generous. I can testify they gave you not only what they could afford, but more. They did it of their own free will. A way to evaluate what's generous in your lifestyle is it really costs you something. There's things you're not doing. It's not just out of the overflow. It's not just with the leftovers. It's not just what doesn't impact your lifestyle. There's a generous amount 
that means you would live a different lifestyle without it, to push into the kingdom, to push into the local church for the making of disciples in this prioritized way. If you've not been obedient to Scripture or faithful to this, I plead with you to begin today to confess it and begin a new practice in this new year. On the back table or at the Get Connected table, Marilyn has some flyers about the different ways you can give through the mail or online to the giving boxes in the back of the room that we'd be devoted to this way of worshiping God with our first fruits of what he's entrusting to us. The next thing I want to talk about is corporate worship. God's command for the bride of Christ to be committed to corporate worship. The scriptures speak often about the value and importance of our corporate gathering. I want to read through a few scriptures with you this morning to to see this applied. One beautiful passage that I'll read now and at our closing is Colossians 3.16. Paul says to the church in Colossae, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Throughout God's word, we see God's call to testify um, and to grow and to, to be together in the gathering of the saints as a way to honor and make much of our Lord. One of the famous places we see in Scripture uh, of this is in the collection of songs or psalms we see. Um, uh, in chapter 150 is this great crescendo, this great high point of celebrating God. I want to read you Psalm 50 right now. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the trumpet sound. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud crashing cymbals. And the drummer said, Amen. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. One of the things we are commanded to do in Scripture is prioritize our gathering to sing and celebrate and play instruments and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. This should be a joyful time where you can't help but find a smile to your face. You can't help but get up onto your toes in excitement for who this God is that we gather in a united voice to worship Him in song. It's a special thing we do in the church, in our corporate gathering, is the the unison of the voices singing together. It's one of the few things we truly do in unison. Therefore, true corporate uh, exercise of our exaltation to God is, is a valuable and important thing. Can I encourage you, can I plead with you, to not make the music or the corporate time of singing about your preferences or your taste or your mood. This has been a struggle of mankind as long as our flesh is at work. We are quick to make corporate worship about us. If you have a particular flavor of music that you love, whether it be traditional hymns, Irish folk, classic rock and roll, hip-hop, ska, heavy metal, or instrumental. I would encourage you to listen and enjoy to your preferred style of music that honors and worships God in your own time. But be careful not to level the larger gathering of the saints with a particular recipe that suits your particular mood or flavor. 
but to realize that you are participating in something very corporate, very much about God and very much not about you individually, but about us together as God's family. With all the best intentions, we can be guilty of saying, the worship time was great today. And what you mean by this, I believe, is that you were moved, or there was a sweet combination of the instrumentation. The songs were powerful to you that day. But true corporate worship, solely focused, should be solely focused on one factor alone. Is the living God being exalted in truth by His saved saints? If so, then corporate worship is always great. Because God is great and worthy to be praised by all these that He has saved and gathered to praise Him. Let's look at another aspect of our need to prioritize corporate worship given to Scripture. Hebrews 10.25 Not neglecting to meet together as is, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. In our modern day, it is all too tempting to sleep in because we're overworked, because we gave our priority that weekend to our Saturday night event to keep us out too late. Or just to stay home out of preference because we really want to watch the race or the game, catch up on household chores, or we're guilty of making regular plans to be gone all the time on the weekend. Can I say this lovingly as one of your shepherds who loves you and who is charged to give an account for your soul as I stand before the Lord one day? It is people who do not belong to the family of God who prioritize other things over corporate worship with the saints. These are not blood-bought who are saved and restored to fellowship with God. People who are um, committed to, to other things all the time. We need to be aware that if we belong to Christ, there is a testimony of how we manage our week. A priority of the gathering of the saints that shows that God is first and foremost in our lives. That we would not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as we see that day drawing near. Church, See, the Lord is calling us to make it a priority to work towards that highlight of the week, to be with the saved saints, to worship Him. Our time is short. The Lord is coming. Our time on earth is short compared to the eternity that we will enjoy Him in paradise. That our, our longing is not for the temporary rest of the moment and ways that we might experience relaxation it's for the eternal rest and celebration that is to come. And in the meantime, every week we press to gather with the saints, to hear from the shepherds, to be readied for the week ahead, if God so wills it, until he calls us home. Far too many modern-day Christians, whereby Sunday corporate worship is what they do when they have nothing better to do. When they don't have to work, when they're not going out of town, 
when they don't have a load of house chores to catch up on. The problem with this is what it says in our testimony about worship. What is most important to us. God has designed into our lives, into the lives of the local church, into the, into the local shepherds to lead and feed the church, a unity that we're not meant to play light with, but we are meant to do this together. I pray that instead of church being the thing that you do when there's nothing else, it becomes a, the true and top priority of your week to protect it, to get ready for it. You make every effort to not miss, but only when you're sick, therefore a blessing to the rest of us, or in the rare needed occasion to get out of town with the family and travel. And even then, I would encourage you to find a good Bible teaching church on that time to be in the Word with the saved saints and worshiping Him on Sunday morning. One of the ways we make corporate worship about ourselves is we often only think about what we feel like we need that week and sometimes we feel like hey i'm doing pretty good and so we're going to be okay to just miss but can i encourage you to make it again not about you only but what god intends to do in and through you for this body that he's called you to be a member of that the body, as many Sundays as possible, would not be incomplete, but as complete as possible. Every part, every limb, every elbow, every toe, doing its work, coming together. The hug you give, the added voice you are in the choir of the congregation, the encouragement or admonishment you will bring by God's holy appointment, the place that you serve so that others are able to worship, Please see that God's call to prioritize corporate worship is a call for the different parts of the body to come together to be the body and not be an incomplete body. I pray that another layer of this is that you see that you're showing a watching world, your own family and grandkids and neighbors, co-workers, friends, that your priority, the priority of your week is the corporate worship of God with the saved saints. That a Christian builds their week in anticipation of this gathering, shares testimony by attending faithfully, sitting under their shepherd's teaching, rejoicing together for all that God is and is doing and what He prepares to do through us in sending us out the doors for that day or week ahead. It should be difficult for us to justify being away Difficult to stay in a job that makes you neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, but that we would aim to encourage one another all the more as we see that day drawing near. True members of the local church are not haphazard participants. They're faithful, committed, plugged in, excited about regularly meeting and growing together. I pray that this is a wake-up call and an opportunity again to start fresh in a mode of repentance to say we will commit to doing this better moving forward, changing some of our habits, some of our priorities to worship God in this way. Another scripture regarding corporate worship that we see in Acts 2.42 is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Quickly, some important areas of this time as we begin to wrap up. In Acts 2, we see another aspect here, value and devotion of regularly corporately meeting. And that first one is to vote, devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. The local church is thriving and growing 
in God's economy, one of the major parts of this is to sit under your shepherd's teaching. God wants the sheep to be fed. Realize Sunday morning is the main vehicle that God has ordained for your pastors to teach you, to preach the word. So when Jesus says to Peter in John 21, feed my sheep, and all the other passages of qualifications and commands for how the church is to work, qualification for elders to be able to teach and divide the word rightly, is how he intends the congregation to be built up and matured and held accountable according to the word. If you don't know, at least 16 hours of my week as the primary preaching pastor here is devoted to the preparation of the preaching of the word. A major part of the investment of what we do is for that preaching of the word. It needs to be a priority for you to not miss it. It's no small investment of our church. We value God's word and we value dividing the word rightly and faithfully. What this means is you need to highly value this instruction. As a committed member of your church, you should never miss a sermon that's taught. Not with modern day technology. On those days you have to be sick and miss or have to be gone through technology. The podcast is posted most weeks by Sunday evening, if not the next day where it's available for you to listen, to take an hour to get your word out and make sure you're never out of step of what's being taught from this pulpit, the church by which God's called you to be a member of. Before we move on, don't miss what else we see in this passage. There's a devotion to fellowship, Lord's Supper and prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. How we need to fellowship We need to enjoy time together. I miss you a lot when I'm not with you. It's a joy to see you. It it is a real reality as our church grows that I know I don't get to pause and hug as many of you as I once did when we were smaller. Know that this is not out of a lack of desire for that, but only in the fact that I can only go so many directions in a given gathering, keep my head focused on what I'm preparing to preach. But I truly, with great anticipation, am excited about it. Every night, the Kirstein family is praying for the gathering of the saints on Sunday morning, looking forward to waking up and coming together with you. Can I ask you, as part of your commitment, to make the most of corporate worship every Sunday, go to bed on time on Saturday night, wake up early enough to get here early, to enjoy it, even just a few minutes of fellowship with your brothers and sisters. For when, we, when we're valuing that extra 10 minutes of sleep to run us late, to check the kids in and get over here in the middle of the first song or the announcements, you've missed an opportunity in the week to get up a little earlier, be here, to fellowship together in the quad, to get the kids checked in, and to come and be in the room as we begin. Even in your thinking or prioritization for lunch plans or the other priorities of your week, what does it look like to stick around a little after and and talk and hug and interact and, and look to build your relationships with others? To pray for one another, to take time to get to know one another and visit, to make it a habit to stay. Let the kids play while you visit in the quad. A truly special time is this every week when we gather together. We want to make the most of it. Some of you might feel a little disconnected from the church family. I say that often this is because you're not taking time to value fellowship. 
to come a little early and stay a little after, to not wait in the corner for someone to approach you, but to seek someone out that you don't know and go get to know them and build those relationships and get to know your brothers and sisters in Christ that we would grow all the more as the body of Christ. This is your family. So I ask you, what are you giving to the relationships in it to grow and to be a true and active part of it? Another way to help fellowship with others is to sit in different spots of the room. I'm not going to point you out. Some of you all but have your name on the back of your chair. Maybe some of you have gone so far to do that. I don't know. We are truly creatures of habit. Talk about this all the time in counseling and marriages. How Why is it so hard to break through these things that we struggle with? Because we are creatures of habit. But can I encourage you to be intentional to mix it up? And for those of you who are really married to your chair, when someone's sitting there, that you would surely not be hostile to them to somehow threaten them. Like, don't you know? This is my spot. But you would be intentional to mix it up. Why? So that in times of fellowship, before, during, and after service, you are getting to know different people in the room and and valuing that and, and experiencing things from a different side, a different angle. Just a simple little way we can do that. Another part of this passage is the practice of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a corporate testimony of the saved in the special ordinance God has given us with special symbols the unleavened bread and the cup, wine that he's given from the Passover table and called the church to testify with, pronouncing what Christ has done on the cross until he comes again. I don't know about you, I love to see my brothers and sisters visually feasting together, testifying what God has done for them, testifying that they are his and he is coming again for them. May we value this time truly um, and in a most special way. Finally, prayer is a huge part of our corporate worship gathering. That's why we pray many times in the service, before, during, many times, and after. Pastoral prayer is a value that we have for your pastors to be praying and leading us in the Lord's Supper, or praying over us in the world that we live in. Um, prayer is a part of our of sing, time of singing, our time of giving, and in our sending. This corporate time with God in prayer is a vital way that He's given us to talk and walk with Him. It's our way of joining Him in what He's going to do as a church. Can I say I love looking around the room and seeing you before and after service praying for each other. This is a sweet testimony of this church and it's one I encourage you to do more often. Brother or sister shares with you something they're going through. Don't let them sneak away without praying with them. Lifting them up before the Lord. If they tell you good news, celebrate God in that good news by lifting it up in prayer. That we'd be people who are people of prayer. Those disciples, church people, they're praying all the time with people. Man, I know where they're at because there they are and there they are. And they're praying. Praying on the side of the road. Praying in the -the jack-in-the-box drive-thru. Wherever. That we'd be people who are praying. Don't honk at me, I'm praying. I pray that your commitment to and priority and practice of corporate worship this year is a growing part of your journey in 2020. Our effort is to honor God in every facet of our service, that we're speaking and singing things that honor God, truths of God, 
and, and that what it is is truly for him in the end and as a byproduct for us. Not first for us, first for him. A few last thoughts of our practice and priority of corporate worship. I want to encourage you to be bringing your Bibles. I know in our modern world that the technology and the convenience of how the Bible fits in this box is really convenient. You don't got to carry this thing around. But there is something very special about this book. I want your kids to see it in your hands. I want the, when you go to lunch, I want you to take it into Taco Bell. Don't, don't eat Taco Bell. Take it into the places that you go. Take it into the places that you go. Be unique in the fact that your head's not buried in this. It's buried in this. Use it. Highlight it. Make notes in it. Wear it out. I got one of my dad's old Bibles that I keep in my office. The thing is torn. It's tattered. It's wrinkled. It's 18 colors. It's pages torn. And it's just a testimony that he spent time in the Word of God. And I want that for you. Wear Bibles out and have to buy new ones. Pass them on to your kids and your friends. Give them away. Let, let us be people of the Scripture. I want you to learn where we're turning in the Bible. You know, that, that, that digital search, that calculator use doesn't necessarily help you learn how to find it. And so I encourage you to bring your Bibles. We preach here through the ESV primarily. It's this word-for-word word word translation that we find is helpful and easy to read. Uh, if you need encouragement or recommendation of different Bibles that are out there, the Reformation Study Bible is our favorite study Bible. If you're looking for that kind of Bible, that's a big one, not necessarily one you're carrying around. But you have a Bible in your hands. You're bringing it to take notes, to dig in, to capture what God's given you. I want to encourage you also to never stop inviting and bringing people. Um, especially second hour, we've got room. We're, we're blessed to really have enough people here where we, in some ways, are growingly needing two services. For those of you who know, first service is typically pretty packed. Second service has a lot of room, but we do that so that everyone worships every Sunday. Everyone who's here serving is getting the word, and we're valuing that together. I thank the tech team and the band for laboring with us every week to put on two services. Um, those of you who serve and are committed to have, to be a two-service family and being a part of the work of the body and valuing that. Um, will you bring people, invite people, help us get the word out? People don't know what they don't know. Let's share with them what God's doing in and through Disciples Church. And then finally, uh, the, you know, in looking for ways to chip in, to serve, um, that we just all the time be going, Lord, how can you use me? How can, again, it's not about me. How can I be a blessing to others on this time for the sake of the gathering of the saints? I want to read a closing scripture. The band's going to come up and lead us in a final song, and then we're going to prepare for annual meeting. I cannot wait to share with you what we've got here in the next few minutes. It's going to be great. I pray you stick around for that. Listen to the fuller text in Colossians chapter 3. 12 through 17, as we consider worship of our God in all of these ways. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, 
as, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen? Stand with me and let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this time in Your Word, an opportunity to to consider a life of worship and all the facets your scriptures have called us to do. And I wasn't able to cover them all, but some of these major areas of daily personal worship, of family worship, of financial worship, the giving of our first fruits to you in our day, the prioritized time for us as a family, the prioritized first fruit giving of our, of our income, the prioritization of the first fruits of our week as we gather together corporately. You would be worshipped. That worship doesn't mean singing on Sunday. It, it is a life lived for the glory of God. That we are worshipers of the one true God. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity just to share this morning that you would love us enough to not leave us how we came in. There would be conviction. There would be opportunity for stretching for growing, for, for making it less about us and more about you and those you've put around us to be a blessing to them. We love you. We are yours. And we worship you in this time. In Jesus' name.